In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today we read the last portion of Luke chapter 1 that we have been reading throughout the whole month of Kiak, which uh, th this is the, the fourth and last Sunday uh, of Kiak. Um, and this speaks about the birth and the circumcision of uh, St. John the Baptist. Um, and after he was born, it says about him, and all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, what kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. After seeing the miraculous way that he was born and his annunciation to Zacharias, his father, and everything that was said about him, and this prophecy that was said by his father, Zacharias, uh, in the reading today, people looked and, and saw this. Said, what kind of child will this be? What will be kind of his, his mission, his purpose in life? What is God using him to do? And so we can see that um, in, in the life of St. John was filled with the Holy Spirit and he did so many good things and we want to look a little bit at his life and see what are some of the characteristics of John's life and how this can apply to us as well. The first is we see that he was raised in the fear of God. Um, speaking about St. John's parents it says and they were both righteous before God walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Parents set the foundation for their children from a very young age based on two main things. One is the teaching that they teach them, and two is modeling for them uh, the right behavior. For teaching, we can think of giving them lessons and advice and sending them to church and Sunday school and reading the Bible, memorizing Bible stories, any kind of teaching that we teach them what is right. We teach them right principles. But also what is very important to this is modeling the right way of living. Actually, even if we don't have the first one, the, the verbal teaching, uh, the second one is, is sometimes sufficient by itself to teach what is the right behavior. When children see the parents behaving in a certain way, praying, doing different activities, going to church, this by itself is the lesson. This by itself is the teaching that we are that we are giving to our children. Sometimes parents, they focus only on the first and neglect the second. Because it's much easier for me, knowing what is right, to simply tell my children what is right, and to tell them what is it that they should do, and what is it they should not do. But then when it comes to my own life, whether I practice it or not, maybe I do not. And so it's important for us to have both. And we see here in the life of St. John the Baptist that his parents clearly raised him in the fear of God. It says they were both righteous before God, and God had chosen them to have um, St. John as their child. The second aspect we see from St. John's life is that he lived in a very ascetic life. It says, so the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. He lived his entire life up until the point where, or from the point that he had grown, he lived his, his entire life in the desert. He wasn't mingling among people. He wasn't involved in society. He wasn't doing anything but living a life that was consecrated and dedicated to God. And some people say about him that he like lived the life of the Nazarite, right? The, the vow of the Nazarite. Some people also say about him that he was the first monk because he lived this life of solitude and monasticism in the desert. He wore simple clothes, he only ate locusts and honey, he didn't indulge in the world, and he wasn't attached to it. And I think this is the most important part, is maybe when we look at our lives today, we're not going to be living wearing sackcloth and only eating locusts and honey and this type of thing. But we can live without attachment 
to the world. We can live in a way that even though we are living in the world and we are participating in the world, but we are not attached to the world. And we are focusing on the things of God more than on the things of man. And we see this as an aspect of St. John's life, is what made him qualified to be able to be the forerunner and messenger, to come before um, the coming of Christ in his ministry and to declare him and to prepare the people for him because he was not attached to the world that he was preaching to. He could see it objectively. He could see those people whom he was preaching to objectively because he was not attached to and drunk with the same types of things that the world was drunk with, the, the things that the world was attached to and in love with. So he could focus on these godly things and not distract it. And this is one of the, the benefits of monasticism. When we think about, you know, some people say, what's the purpose of monasticism? You know, people that, you know, they don't, they don't go out and serving in the world. They don't do anything really like service related. And they just go to the monastery and they stay there. And there are some churches, like um, Protestant church, for instance, they look at monasticism and they say it doesn't make any sense, right? But when we, when we look at the monks, when we look at monasticism, we see the people that have been able to overcome the love of the world. We see people that are able to fight against this attachment of the world. And it gives us hope that even though we are living in the world, that we also can attain this detachment. That we can, that we can learn not to love the world, just as they have voluntarily given up everything that is theirs in order for them to live uh, separate from the world and isolated from it. So also we, maybe not to the same extent, but while we are living in the world to also be detached from it. And so he, he modeled for us this life of asceticism. The third characteristic is that he taught out of his own experience. When he was baptizing people uh, and he was teaching them, he says what? He said to them, he who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none, and he who has food, let him do likewise. Because he had lived this ascetic life, he could teach out of what he knew. He could teach out of his experience with God. And because he didn't have any attachments, he knew how to teach other people what is the sources of pain and suffering in the world. He understood what attachment was because he was not attached. So he, he could see the, the, the ailments that people had because of their attachment. We who are Christians, believers, who see the, the life with God and see how much our life with God is adversely affected when we sin, we can look at the world and we can say to the world, you must give up your life of sin because unless you do so, you will not see God. You will not experience God unless you give up your life of sin because even though we are not perfect by any means, but when in our struggle and in our confessions and in our repentance, we experience God, we see God, we know God, but when you live a life apart and separate from God, you are living in darkness. You are living away. How is it that we can even preach this message? We can preach it only because we have experienced it ourselves in the church. And this is what St. John was doing. He understood what life is. He understood what the purpose of life is. And he was not taken with the dissipation of the world. He was not taken with the lust of the world. And so when he came and he preached to the people, his message was very powerful because he taught through this experience that, that, that he had. In order for us to share this message of salvation, as St. John did with the world, we first must experience it ourselves. We must experience what it is that we are teaching. What is it that we are preaching? What is it that we are sharing with others? Because certainly what we're sharing with others is not simply documents. If somebody wants to read the Bible, they can read the Bible. If somebody wants to understand Christian history, they can read the history. We are, we are not simply sharing documents. We are sharing a life. 
We are sharing a way of life. We are sharing a faith. We are sharing that I have chosen to sacrifice things in my own life because I believe something so strongly that I'm willing to give up everything for it. Like when we read in the parable of the pearl of great price that Christ has spoken of us. He says what? That a man went and he sold all that he had to buy a field that had this great treasure in it. Right? This great treasure. Are we willing to give up everything in our lives in order to gain this treasure? This is essentially what a Christian is doing. This is essentially as Christians what we are declaring. We're saying I'm willing to sacrifice all things in order to buy this treasure which is Christ. And because we believe in it so strongly that I am able to share that message with conviction to other people in a way that they might accept and believe. It is not simply an argument from books. It's not simply an argument from history or dogma. And while I'm not trying to say those things are not important, but what is going to grab the attention of someone in order for them to even begin to digest all of that and to research all of that and to understand all of that? They have to see that our teaching, that our faith is built out of a real experience that we have had with God and a lifestyle, not simply words. Another characteristic of St. John's life is his boldness. He did not waste time in giving messages that were unclear, that were ambiguous, that were indirect, that were politically correct, but instead he openly said exactly the truth of what he believed and what he saw. He says to the Pharisees and to the people that came in a hypocritical way, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? The people, some people came to St. John legitimately because they wanted to repent and be baptized by him. Other people came out of their curiosity and had no desire to repent and no desire to be baptized, but simply they were just curious about what it is that he was doing. And he could see through them and he could see them and he spoke to them this way and, and he spoke to them very boldly and in a very accusatory tone and he called them out. He said, you are not coming here for legitimate reasons. You are not genuine or sincere in your repentance of why is it that you're coming, but instead you are coming for a different reason. Sometimes... Um, we are called to give a message that can be offensive to people. Sometimes our Christian message is offensive in a lot of ways. And sometimes we are tempted to avoid those offensive messages for the sake of not wanting to hurt the feelings of anyone. And I'm certainly not trying to say that it is appropriate in every venue to be offensive in what we say. But there are times when we are challenged. There are times when we are, you know, our God is being mocked that it is our role to stand up and defend the faith and to say, no, this is what we believe and this is why we believe it. And even if you mock us and even if you insult us, we are not going to back away. And to call out directly and in an unambiguous way, what is it that we believe? So our goal is not to offend, but our goal is to save. And sometimes salvation requires some type of offense. It was said about Christ uh, St. Peter, in his first epistle, he says, A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, they stumble being disobedient to the word. So even St. Peter himself is speaking about Christ, and he's saying that Christ is a rock of offense. He's saying that his message, that his life was offensive to many, many people. And maybe we who understand his life, maybe we who believe in him, Maybe we who know him and know his love for us, we don't see him as offensive. 
We don't see his crucifixion as offensive because we understand what his crucifixion was about. It is not because he was a weak man that couldn't defend himself that he, that he was crucified, but that actually he was very powerful and that the greatest manifestation of his power was that he allowed himself to be crucified and that this was done completely by his own will and by his own power. And this is a manifestation of his love for those people who he loves, which is us, that he allowed himself to suffer in this way. So it is not because he was overpowered or that he was overcome, but it was a choice that he made for the sake of love for us. So when we look at this message of crucifixion, we don't see it as an offensive message. Actually, we see it as a message of the greatest sacrifice that one can make. And God, no less, not just another human being, but God, who is divine, that he would make this uh, sacrifice for us. But for people who do not understand this message, maybe they see this as offensive. Maybe they see all of Christianity as offensive. And yet, we are still called to preach the Christian message, even to those who see it as an offensive uh, message, just as St. John did. He did not back away, he did not back down, and he was not afraid. Also, as St. John began his ministry, he started to gain a lot of popularity. He started to become known. And while he lived his entire life in obscurity, and no one knew about him, and he lived in the deserts, and he ate locusts and nobody ever saw him and he never did anything involving people and yet now suddenly as he arrives on the scene and now he's starting to gain a lot of popularity and people are now knowing about him people are talking about him people are coming to see him in in throngs and all these people are coming in such big groups and even important people like the pharisees they are coming to see him and so somebody might think being in such a position happy that they are beginning to gain attention or even that their ministry is starting to bring fruit because so many people are coming to see him. And yet when people started to praise him, when people started to glorify him, we read that he says what? I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. He begins to deflect and he begins to say what? I am not the one you should be giving glory to. But there is someone else who is coming after me and he is so great that I am not worthy even to, to, to loosen the strap of his sandal. This is how great he is. And, and, and this was a characteristic of St. John that was so important because without this, he could have very easily just taken all the glory from his, for himself and the, the whole purpose of his mission would have been for nothing because his whole person, purpose was to point to Christ. And we spoke last time about how his name, John, means Yahweh is gracious. Even his name is related to God, and he is pointing to the grace of God. So sometimes we try to do the same. Sometimes we want to draw attention to ourselves more than we want to turn the people's attention toward God. Our ultimate goal should be in everything to glorify God. Our ultimate goal in everything. Our life is here for a very short time. And even the most famous of people and even the most powerful of people are here only for a very short time. How is it that God categorizes our life? How is it that he sees our life and in what way does he judge us? He looks and says, did you glorify me? How is it that we have glorified God or do we bring all of the glory on ourselves and seek only glory for ourselves? Our ultimate glory that we receive will not be received from man, but will be received only from God. 
And he promises us a greater glory than any possible other glory that we can receive from human beings. He promises that to us. He says, if you are last in the world, then you will be the first in heaven. This is what he says. If you voluntarily give up your glory in the world and serve me and, and make yourself to be last, then in heaven you will be the first. I will glorify those people who glorify me and the world. And this is a very important message that we learn from St. John, that he made himself to be the last and that God will make him to be the first. And Christ said about him that there is no one greater that has been born of women than St. John the Baptist. That is the glory that God gave to St. John because he was willing to give up his glory by his own will. Sixth characteristic that we read about St. John the Baptist is that he prepared for his mission for a very, very long time. We know that St. John was born six months before Christ was born. Okay, so he was six months older than Christ. And he lived in the wilderness for 30 years. For 30 years, he lived in the wilderness because Christ began his ministry when he was about 30 years old. And he was crucified and died when he was 33 years old. So this means that St. John uh, served. St. John was in the public eye and in the public life and, and performing the mission that he was called to do as the forerunner. He preached and baptized for only six months before he was imprisoned and then he was beheaded. So he lived and prepared for, for his ministry for 30 years, and his ministry was only six months. You know, we, we, we like it to be the other way around. We like it to be like we prepare for some amount of time, and then our career, our service, our purpose, our life is for a much longer period of time than our period of preparation. Maybe we would look at somebody who has been studying for some advanced degree for 30 years, and then they only get to work for six months, we would see this as being a shame. We would see this as being a waste. You know, you prepared for such a long time, you didn't get a chance. You didn't get a chance to use your skills. You didn't get a chance to use your education. You didn't get a chance to use whatever it is that you learn for 30 years of preparation. And yet we see something very important about St. John is that his mission and the success of his mission was not based on some external knowledge or some skill that he would master after a long time. But the success, success of his mission was based on the inner life, the inner life that he grew in while he was living in the desert, in seclusion, in solitude, where all he had was God. He didn't have any distractions. And in this relationship that he built with God over this period of 30 years, this is what enabled him to do his mission of six months. This is what enabled him to be the forerunner. This is what enabled him to preach the coming of Christ in humility and accepting death for him. And, and, and this is, we shouldn't gloss over this because sometimes we, we think about grandiose goals and plans that we have and things that we want to do. And it's very easy for us to think of what are the external factors, what are the external things that are necessary for me to achieve something, to reach a goal. I have to study a certain amount of time. I have to take a certification. I have to take a leadership course. I have to take a parenting course. I have to you know, take whatever professional courses, certifications, whatever it is that I feel that it must be done in order to achieve some goal that I have. But do we sometimes forget the inner life, the inner life with God, 
that the work of the Holy Spirit in me is actually what is going to grant me any type of success. It's not just the outside. It's not just the external things. It's the internal things. That This man, St. John the Baptist, was so solid in his faith that when he came out of the desert, there was nothing at all that could move him. There was nothing at all that would, that would waver him, that he would never be afraid and that he would always stay on point of what is it that God had told him to do. And he wouldn't care if his ministry was one day or if it was six months because he actually didn't live his life for his ministry. You know, he didn't, he didn't live his life in expectation of those six months. He lived his life with God. And if God wanted him to stay in the desert, he would stay in the desert. And if God wanted him to go and to preach to the world, he would preach to the world. It didn't matter to him what he did because he was with God in every aspect at all times in every place. And this is what God is asking of us. He says, be with me in any time. It's not about where you're serving or where you're working or what you're doing or your goals. Your goal should be to be with me. Your goal should be to be with God constantly. And in this, we have success. And in this, we have peace. And in this, we are fulfilling the mission that God is calling us for. If God then chooses me out of this and says, go and do this task or go have this job or go and do this thing, great, fine, that's good, right? But, but that should not be more important to me than the inner life with God because the inner life with God is the most important and the most precious that we have. The seventh thing that we learn from him is his courage. He wasn't afraid at all of what might happen to him. We read in, in uh, Luke chapter 3, it says, uh, when, when he had a conflict with Herod, okay, he says, But Herod the Tetrarch, being rebuked by him concerning Herodias, Herodias, his brother's wa Philip's wife's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, also added this, above all, that he shut John up in prison. So uh, John rebuked Herod, who was a very powerful man, Okay, be because, he had, because he had taken uh, his brother Philip's wife to be his own wife, uh, clearly in, in, a, in, in, a, in an unlawful way. It was an unlawful relationship. And so he rebuked him for this. Okay, he, he rebuked him. And so he is rebuking a king. He is rebuking a very powerful person. And again, he does so without any kind of fear. He does so with any, without any kind of... Um, uh, like consideration for his own safety or for what might happen to him. Again, he wasn't living life the way we think of life. He wasn't thinking life where he, he, where, where he was concerned about the power of any individual. He wasn't worried about what might happen to him at all because going back to the previous point, his life was with God and no one could take him away from God, right? You know, the, the scripture says, what well, do not fear man who can kill the body but cannot touch the soul. Right? This, is, this is what St. John believed. So not only did he not receive praise and glory from men, but he actually received a lot of suffering for what he preached. Not only was he not rewarded by human beings for the message, he wasn't praised, he wasn't told, you're doing such a great job, John the Baptist. You prepared for such a long time, and now you're here doing your mission, and everybody is going to be saved because of your work. He didn't receive any of that, but actually what he received is to be thrown in prison and beheaded. And then what else, did, what else happened to him? All of his disciples that were following him, they left him and they, they went after Christ. And when the, when the people came and spoke to him and said, look, all of your disciples are leaving you and they're going after Christ. His response was good. That's what they should do. He is better than I am. I'm here to prepare the way from him, for him. And so he, he, he started his life in obscurity for 30 years in the desert. He served for six months and then he went to prison. All the people that were with him left him and he was beheaded. 
right? This was the life of St. John the Baptist. And, and this is why Christ points to him and says he was the greatest because he did not seek anything for himself and he was so courageous to stand up against those who were all the power to destroy him and yet that did not faze him. The last point that I want to mention is as a result of all of his uh, intimacy with God, as a result of all his genuineness, as a result of all of his work and service, he got to experience the glory of God in a way that most people will never experience. He baptized the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the day of his baptize, uh, baptism, okay, it says what? When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. Imagine being there in this scene where, where the son of God is submitting to John the Baptist to baptize him. And as he is baptizing him, he hears this voice of God the Father from heaven. He sees a manifestation of the Holy Spirit as a dove and that this whole scene is happening. Who can say that any of us have ever experienced God in this way? That God would manifest himself so clearly to us. But he experienced the glory of God because of all of these characteristics that he had. Because this is all he cared about. He sacrificed his life completely for the sake of the service of God. And God rewarded him with giving him this glory. So in conclusion, we spoke about eight different characteristics of St. John the Baptist. The first one is that he was raised in the fear of God. The second is he lived an ascetic life from his youth. The third is he taught out of the experience that he had with God. The fourth is he spoke boldly and he was not afraid. Fifth is he knew his place, that he came to point to Christ, but that Christ was higher than him. Sixth, he prepared for a very long time. Seventh, he was courageous and was not afraid of what negative things might happen to him when he speaks. And then the eighth is God rewarded him by allowing him to experience the glory of God. So we see so many uh, lessons that we can learn from the life of St. John the Baptist. He is truly great. And that is why we read about him and we learn from his example. And may God grant us to have a relationship with him as St. John the Baptist and to serve him as St. John the Baptist did and to live that life with God and to see his glory. And glory be to God forever. Amen.